0: All right, it's a live episode of Locked on Pelicans. Do the New Orleans Pelicans have another move up their sleeve this offseason, or are they done? Let's take a look in today's live episode of Locked on Pelicans. Plus, we're going to answer your questions. Let's go. You are Locked on Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as we are live right now. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with y'all on this Thursday night, but it counts for the Friday show. We've been doing these Mostly this offseason, we'll keep them going until the games pretty much start. Live shows every Thursday at 6 p.m. This is my chance to interact with y'all, and these are a lot of fun, so I appreciate you all taking time out of your evening to join me here. And, of course, thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, and available on YouTube, Monday through Friday. Did I mention free? Completely free, no paywall or anything like that. Just giving you the topics you want to hear, covering the biggest stories around this team. We killed it with the draft free agency and now Summer League. Now we're hitting the kind of quiet point of the offseason, but there's still a lot to talk about. So make sure you make Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. I say it's the quiet point in the offseason because, well, usually kind of everyone's made their moves by now, right? All the big name free agents have signed. The majority of kind of big trades for right now have been done with a couple of things still left to go it ends up being a quiet period. Fewer trades happen now, fewer free agent signings happen now, kind of all of that stuff. And New Orleans was pretty quiet this offseason for the most part. You know, they didn't really have the roster spots to do much, really only having one open roster spot. And that was going to be used to sign whoever they drafted today, and it turned out to be Dyson Daniels. And so they were quiet in free agency because they don't have room for anyone right now. And you know, it, it the trade market is a little bit stagnated because we're kind of waiting on stuff with Kevin Durant, potentially Donovan Mitchell as well. Though the Pelicans wouldn't necessarily be in the running for either of those two guys. And we are certainly not going to get into Kevin Durant and all of that stuff today. But we, you know, maybe the Pelicans want to be a facilitator in one of those. And so I think one of the reasons you haven't really seen them make any sort of move, and I saw people f- kind of freaking out that they didn't, make a signing in free agency as if they had a lot of money to spend and they didn't. So they were just kind of really hampered. And so the question I have for y'all today, let me know in the chat over here and I'll get to your questions in a second here. West Bank Rick says, let's go. Of course, let's go. It's a Friday, Thursday live show and we love these. Um, You know, Do you think they have another move lined up or is this team going to be comfortable standing pat and going into the season with the current roster? You know, do you think, are you happy? Would you be happy with this current roster with the team? Basically the guys from last year plus Dyson Daniels and then adding Zion Williamson into the mix. I think they like that idea. I think they feel really good. Don't forget this was a team that took the Phoenix Suns to six games. I think they feel very comfortable about where they are adding a guy like Dyson Daniels who can maybe contribute a little bit this year. Add Zion to the mix, which is going to make you so much better. Well, I think they feel pretty comfortable that they're on kind of the right trajectory to kind of move on up in the Western Conference. And we'll have a bonus episode at some point this weekend talking about the over under for the Pelicans. So, you know: do you think you are you fine with this roster? or Do you want someone changed? Donald Hawkins says, "Don't like Graham." You know, of all of the guys they have on the roster that could get moved, I think it's him and Jackson Hayes are the top 2 that could get traded away. And so yeah, I don't. I, you know, I don't think New Orleans is in love with him either, particularly with the money they gave him. But I think they are also not going to trade him for pennies on the dollar. I don't think he has a ton of value around the league because, frankly, he just wasn't a very good shooter. Um, Josh says we need to trade Graham for a first round pick. You're not going to get a first round pick for him. the Pelicans traded. You know, the reverse lottery protection to in a in a draft pick for Devontae Graham. You might be getting. No, you wouldn't even get that. He had a down year. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but he had a down year. And so I can't imagine New Orleans would be able to get a first round pick for him right now, particularly also because, you know, they, they paid him. And I think that is puts him in kind of a bit of a spot when it comes to that sort of thing. Let me make this bigger so I can see the chat here. Um, we'll get into some of your questions here about the G League as well and Summer League, all of that. But no, you know, unless the team really values Devontae Graham, then maybe. But of course, they're certainly trying to, they're looking to try and move him. I just don't think it's, they're going to make a move to make a move. The other thing to think about is, you know, as we mentioned, right? It's a quiet period because there's not really tremendous free agents or anything like that available right now. If they move Graham, who, who are they going to replace him with? Who's coming in and either taking that role or going to get another role? If you can't have one of those guys lined up, well, then you may as well just Keep him and let him play right because he can at least give you some shooting, and maybe you try and kind of rehab his value a little bit to see if you can get him going. And maybe you up his trade value, he still averaged 12 points per game last season. The problem was the three point shooting was down at 34%. It's not an atrocious number, it's just not a good. Number, he got arrested for the DWI, I believe is what it was. It's not the biggest deal. He's gonna get suspended for two games, maybe a game, and that's kind of that. You know, so I see that that um flight Mizark says that, but like I don't and, you know, don't do that, obviously. Don't drink and drive, don't get a DWI, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, to his career. That's not going to really end up mattering. And I don't think New Orleans is going to be like, well, we got to get rid of this guy just because of that. They want to get rid of him for other reasons. So I think you look at it and it's he's still going to be here unless they get a trade that blows him away, or it's included in salary as maybe, you know, a trade to help facilitate a Donovan Graham or Kevin Durant trade without either of those two players coming back to New Orleans. 4th uh, Avenue Entertainment says, thoughts on Jonas Valanciunas's charade skills? That was pretty good. I probably wouldn't have guessed LeBron James seeing that. LeBron flops. He doesn't flop as bad as some other guys do in the league. But that was pretty funny to be able to see. And that's certainly going to kind of add a little bit more feistiness beef to these Lakers games next season as if they already wouldn't have those in the first place. So, it's kind of funny, but that was that was pretty good. But I would never have guessed, none of us would have actually guessed LeBron James when it came to, to that one there. Um, so yeah, so Jose and Kyra over Graham, you know, like sure, but they're already over him, right? But he's still a guy that can play. You don't just move him and not really have a replacement for anything like that. So I think that's one of those things where it's, important to kind of keep in mind that unless you have a replacement, you don't just give away a guy for no reason or give up assets along with him just to get him off your team, which could be the case in moving Devonte Graham. Marcus LeBlanc says, what's up, Jake? What's up? You didn't know I was doing a live show. I've been saying on the show we do these and we do these almost every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central. So mark your calendars there. So let's wrap up this segment here. Let's get into the next one where we'll answer more of your questions. I don't have as much planned um, out for the next couple. So we'll take your questions and that'll kind of lead us in our show. So keep them coming. Please don't spam them in there in the chat. Just ask it once, give it a little bit. If we don't get to it, ask it again. But if you type it like three or four times in there, you're probably just going to get muted or blocked and I won't answer your question. So quick bit of housekeeping there. I see a couple of really good ones in there Right now, and so I want to get into those coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Question about the culture, what an exhibit 10 is. I will get into all of those coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode, live episode of Locked on Pelicans, is brought to you by betonline.net. BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events all at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news from every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. So it continues to be your top resource for your sports wagering information. BetOnline.net. Whether you want live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. So head to BetOnline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action happening today betonline.net where the game starts and thank you for making locked on pelicans your first listen today and every day we're here monday through friday for you all talking about everything you want to know about the team i see a question about the uniforms in there i'll touch on that in a second even though you all ask me the sit every time and i'm going to tell you the same thing there will be at least one change Not the change you're hoping for and probably not big enough to make you all happy, but I'll tell you in a second here. Um, So yes, Locked on Pelicans, first listen today and every day. And by the way, go check out the Locked on NFL podcast. They're running a top 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the oddsmakers at betonline.net. It's wherever you get your podcast, and available on YouTube. If you all know Ross Jackson, host of Locked on Saints, I hung out with him this past weekend, which was very fun. Um, He is i host we have our national show locked on nba and there's also locked on nfl that's kind of the national show that covers all the topics around the league i host the wednesday episode of locked on nba our national show he hosts one of the days i forget which day of locked on nfl so you've got new orleans representation going strong here on the national level when it comes to locked on too so make sure you check out locked on nfl if you don't already alongside locked on saints all right. The uniforms. I, for, I saw it in there. I'm seeing where they went. I'm going to touch on this again. Right. Um, you I don't think you're going to see a change to the whites though. You might, the blues are, are what they are. You'll see a change to the red. That's it. That's all I can say. Change to the red. Not going to be nearly as dramatic as y'all hoping for There's not big wholesale uniform changes coming that I'm aware of. I have seen them. I think it looks good. That's it. That's all I can say uh, when it comes to that. So to answer some of your questions here, I saw someone ask in there, Josh Marceau says, what's the difference between a two-way contract and an exhibit 10? That's a good question. And I don't, so one of the things I do on the shows, I don't like to, to bog you down in some of like the minutia of contracts and things like that in the league, right? Cause like ultimately you don't need to know. It doesn't matter that, that much. What a two-way deal is, is you're allowed to, two-way contracts where these guys basically primarily play in the G League, but they more or less get 45 days of service at the NBA level. So they're guys that are paid by the team. It pays more than a standard G League contract. You can play at the NFL level, with or NFL, NBA level without signing a new deal. And once your days of service are up, you can't be there anymore. You also are not allowed to play in the playoffs, but it's just a way to have kind of an extra developmental guy on the team. You can have two of those spots. New Orleans has used them very well the past couple of years, right? Najee Marshall was on a two-way deal. I think uh, Kenrich Williams was on a two-way deal as well. Jose Alvarado started off on a two-way deal. All of them now have co- like you know, fully guaranteed NBA contracts. It, New Orleans has done a really good job of that. An Exhibit 10 deal is different. An Exhibit 10 deal is a G League contract, a G League contract with that G League team. And basically what it says is if you play the whole year there, you get a bonus, $50,000, maybe more than that. It just kind of depends. So it is a way to incentivize guys to play for a G League team rather than go chase money overseas and things like that. So instead of leaving that team early to go get a bigger contract over, you know, in Europe somewhere or China, wherever it is you might be playing, you just get a bonus when you finish out your, your contract with this G League team. So it's a way to incentivize guys to kind of play in your system. You can give that to a guy to stop them from going to another G League team and another NBA club that owns it. So that's why those can be useful. So we heard that I think it was Plowden signed an exhibit 10 deal with Birmingham that kind of keeps him in the New Orleans system, the Birmingham system, you know, as opposed to letting him just go sign with any other team. It's just a way to incentivize them to do that a little bit. More. All right, so keep your questions coming here. Of course, we'll go for a little bit longer here on the live chat here. Do the Pelicans um, do the Pelicans have another undrafted gem in John Butler? I mean, maybe. You know, again, don't read too much in Exhibit 10's, Keith Smith asks, you can sign I think you can sign as many of those as you want, as many roster spots as you have in the G League. Um, but that's a good question. I'm not exactly sure off the top of my head, but I believe that's probably what it ends up being. You know, John Butler. Look, he he had some good moments for New Orleans, definitely. But you know, I don't think there's really room for many other guys to be getting a lot of minutes in the in this Pelicans team, right? You know, you can get them into the G League and see if they develop, but getting out of there is also not the not the easiest thing to do. So, kind of keep that in mind. You know, he's seven one, really good size. You know, is he uh, he's, he's more of a wing than a big man, which I think is kind of cool, kind of fun to see, you know, that kind of size on the wing. But, you know, again, is he he's not going to get minutes here. So I don't know if that's something that is going to really happen. And he definitely needs to fill out some more. But he only came alive towards the end of summer league, right? Not in the beginning when he was playing a little bit. And then I think you know, when you look at it, they, they have a number of guys we like a lot on the G League. Plowden being one of them. Servetus looked really good for the Pelicans in Summer League, too, as a stretch big. You know, those are the guys I'd be probably looking at a little bit more than Butler. That showed me a little bit more top to bottom over a longer period of time in Summer League. GZ Go hard here says, what's going to happen with EJ Liddell now that he's out? I don't know. He could end up being the guy that signs that other two-way deal if New Orleans kind of wants to do right by him. You know, maybe they still try and sign him to an NBA contract, but oh, just what an awful start to his NBA career. But no, we don't know yet. Um, Alvin Porter says each team has six exhibit 10 deals. Okay, that's perfect. Thank you for for filling me in on that one. So, you know, with EJ Liddell, it's just, it's a shame and it kind of puts them in, you know, a a weird spot, right? Like they want to be competitive next year. You're going to need those roster spots. You know, you might need that two-way deal, but it's just one of those situations where it, it's like, it sucks, right? Like there's not really much else to say there and we'll see what the Pelicans end up doing about him and trying to make it right by him or not. You know, again, it can be a cutthroat business at times, but that isn't generally how the New Orleans Pelicans have operated. So, I think they'll try and kind of find the right thing to do for him. Walter Turner asks, I like this question. So did you listen to yesterday's show? Well, technically today's show, I was a little late in recording it, talking about Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson uh, coexisting and being able to play together, right? So the question here is, what's Brandon Ingram's stat line going to be? What's the prediction here? Can I guess 23.8 points per game? Am I allowed to say that? Which he's done two out of the past three years and then 22.7 last season. I think he's going to be really good again for New Orleans. You know, I don't necessarily see his scoring going up. I can see his efficiency going up. I think he's going to be a much better three-point shooter next year than he was this past season. He's going to get a lot more catch-and-shoot looks. So I think it's safe to say somewhere in that, like, you know, 24 points maybe on the high end for him. But assisting a lot more and you know, just kind of being Brandon Ingram. The dude is so good, so good, right? Like he is just as consistent as it gets and that's at an all-star level and just doesn't deal much with social media. I know he's rapping a little bit now. You know, just goes out and plays and absolutely loves basketball. It's just kind of the type of guy you really want to have on your team. Like I don't need players to love the game, right? I actually don't mind if they kind of look at this as a job. And they're not like naturally just in love with basketball. It can be a job. That's okay. As long as you're good at it and you perform it well. BI definitely does love basketball, loves hoops. And it's a quality you really tend to like about him. Matt Harrison says 25, 7, and 7. That's you know, that's not far off from what he did last year, to be perfectly honest, right? Um, Joe Nelson, you're gonna have to watch the first segment we talk about Devontae Graham. I don't think the DWI is gonna really matter much in the grand scheme of things. Energy Slayer says, as, as what Willie Green said, everyone will bring the ball up uh, when it dictates it. Yes, right? That has to do with his, his 0.5 uh, mentality. In when you look at the starting roster, and I saw someone say, what's the prediction for the starting five in there? Uh, if you say that was your question, I'll shout your name out. You know, it's it's obvious, right? What the starting five is going to be. It's CJ McCollum, Brandon Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Zion, and Jonas Valanciunas. Four of those guys, not counting Valanciunas in this can bring the ball up the court, right? It just gets you into your offense quicker. I talked about it last week when we talked about the NBA rule changes with the take fouls, that they're going to have opportunities to run a little bit more than they did last year. And they're going to be really good at running because four of those guys can basically start fast breaks for you. This offense should be terrifying in a good way if you're a Pelicans fan next season. They should be really... Really good, really aggressive, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do. They should be, in my opinion, a top five offense next season. I don't think that's really much of a question. Um, Peter says, "What's the next four off the bench?" I'm probably forgetting some people here as I'm trying to do this as much as possible without like looking at other screens here, but. I think you're going to see Jose Alvarado kind of be that first guard off the bench for New Orleans. Depending on what they do with Jackson Hayes, he could get right on in there as well. I think those are guys that are going to get minutes early on for the Pelicans, you know, depending on Larry Nance and his role as well. Um, And then, of course, I think maybe number one should be Trey Murphy, the third, right? He's in line for a significantly bigger role with this team. We'll end on him, then we'll go into the next segment here. Um, I do think Trey Murphy is going to be in line for a massive role with this team, as he should, right? As he should. He should get significant minutes. He was key for sparking that comeback against the Los Angeles Clippers in the playing tournament finale championship, whatever it is you want to call that. I think he's a guy that is going to be able to get some run with the starters to provide some defense, switch ability, you know, guard multiple positions there. And he's a really good three point shooter. I think having that guy out there with his size, excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. excellent. Um flight, uh flight Mazark says that was his question about the starting five, I think. So there you go. I do think Trey Murphy's in line for, you know, close to, I don't know if they'll play him 30 minutes per game, but he should definitely be getting closer to that than not getting closer to that. Do you think we can, oh, that's a good question. Let's get into that one next. I love that question from fourth Avenue entertainment. I might turn that into a whole show at one point. Do you think we can have a lethal small ball lineup? Let's get into that coming up here next in today's episode of locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday for y'all, breaking down everything you want to know about this team, whether it's summer league, free agency, the draft, what other moves this team might make. We're going to be talking about it all here. And of course, we're going to be getting into everything off season because the season's going to be here before we know it. And today we're doing a live episode of Locked On Pelicans, answering your questions. And I'm excited by some of these. You guys have some good ones going, so we might go for a little bit longer than I normally would. Um, so let's lead with that question that was a great one from 4th Avenue Entertainment. Do you think we can have a lethal small ball lineup? So let me ask you all this. What what constitutes a small ball lineup to you? Is it basically just lacking a center? Because when the Pelicans go small ball, is is anything actually going to be small? Right. If you're going to have Zion out there, if you're going to have Brandon Ingram out there, you would assume Trey Murphy is probably going to be playing the center in that position. Right. For your team, more or less. That's kind of the three of the that's kind of the front court for the small ball lineup. And let's call it CJ and call it um, Herb Jones as well. So basically you're subbing out um, Jonas Valanciunas for Trey Murphy. Is there anything right like that's the small ball lineup in my opinion? Do you agree or disagree? Let me know. Do you see a, you know? Do you see a different kind of small ball lineup? But if it's that right, like that's that's a freaking tall lineup. That's a that's a huge lineup. You know, is small ball a lineup that's just kind of fast? Is that what it is? Right? Like what what constitutes some of the the definition of a small ball lineup? But if it's the lack of a traditional center, which that's kind of what it feels like, right? You know then yeah, you, you probably do have a killer one. Don't forget Trey Murphy in summer league last year guarded Evan Mobley, who was in the running to be rookie of the year, big bruising center for the Cavs and guarded him. Well, right. Yeah. And so it's, um, energy slices. I say small balls having a three slash four at center, right? And that's what Trey Murphy is. He might be closer to seven foot than we realize because he definitely grew, but it's just kind of a lack of center. And I think you can definitely do that with Trey Murphy next season. You can all, I, No, I, don't, I think if Trey Murphy's out there, Keith Smith says this, I think Zion would play the five. I disagree. I think technically it would be Trey Murphy. Guard, it, you know, the five is who's ever guarding centers, right? That's kind of what it is. Um, and so I think you would end up having Trey Murphy do a lot of that. Adrian says Herb is shown being a capable of capable of playing the five as well a little bit. Yeah. I like Trey Murphy size there more and wingspan more, but overall, like, yeah, that's a, it's a good question. Right. But they definitely have a small ball lineup and it's probably with Trey at the five. And so that's, I think a pretty good lineup, right? CJ, Herb, BI, Zion, Trey, like that team's good. You've got shooting in there, you have actually a good bit of shooting in there. You have defense, you have rebounding, you kind of, in creation. All of those guys can handle the ball to a certain degree. I like that. So I think that is a lineup that you will see and will... Work. Yeah, it's a tall, small ball lineup, right? Like again, it's not that you're just playing a bunch of five guards out there, four guards out there. It's you know, kind of a lack of a center or different positions. And I think that's really what that gives you. But definitely that lineup uh should be a lot of fun to watch. That's probably what I want to see more so than any other lineup out there, right? There's a lot of switchability there. If you're looking at that lineup, like the weak defensive links are Zion and CJ. You have three plus defenders out not plus Brandon Ingram's average right Herb is elite I think we can call Trey Murphy just now a plus defender if Zion can get closer to neutral there and I don't think CJ ever will you're not horrible defensively either that's a fun lineup to think about Sterling Jones says Devontae Graham and Jackson Hayes for Buddy Heald does why would do the Indiana Pacers want to do that you know, like sure you can convince me on that, but why would they do something like that? Do they really want to pay Jackson Hayes? I'm not sure that they do. You know, do they want, you know, some extra stuff with when it comes to Devontae Graham? Probably not. I'm looking at Buddy Heeld's deal. He's only, oh, he's got two more years, so you get off the money sooner, so maybe they want to do that. That's actually not as bad as, I think, um, Shaquille Rubin says, everyone give Jake a like now. Yes, please. And subscribe wherever you get your podcast and tell a friend about the show, and always comment on YouTube. Seafoam Rain says, where do the Pelicans finish in a crowded West? We're, I'm going to do a bonus episode at some point this weekend where we're going to talk about the win total that was just announced by Vegas, so I'll answer that kind of in its own show. Um, so that one will be coming. Keep an eye out for that since I missed Monday's show because I was traveling from work and just couldn't get to everything. So I'm going to do a bonus show for you all this weekend. We'll do it on the over under win total of 45, 46, whatever was just, I wrote it down here, 45 wins, whatever was just released. Adrian says, Jose, instead of CJ in that, if you need more defense, I don't think you take CJ out just the offensive threat that he is and what he can do offensively. I think that's so important. Um, So I wouldn't take him out for Jose. I think Jose gets a bigger role this year. But we saw in that playoff series, you know, when he was matched up with Booger, Booger, Booker, it wasn't particularly pretty at times. So you deploying him and using him in the right way, I think, is really important. But he definitely belongs on this team is going to have a much better, kind a much bigger, more important kind of role next season than he did in the past. And, you know, he really had a bit of a coming out party in the playoffs, given CP three, all sorts of hell like that. Um, like he did. So keep your questions coming here uh, as we're answering them on the live show here. Again, we do these Thursday at 6 PM central tall ball BI, um, Trey Murphy, the third herb, uh, <laughs> John Butler. Sure. Seven, one there. And then Jax at seven foot. That's kind of fun. Um, Matt Harrison says, I know Jax has got to be paid at the end of the year, but who would we upgrade for him? I can't think of a cheaper center who I'd want. I mean, okay, so Jax is interesting, right? Again, you know, there's I think they wouldn't hate moving on from him, and I don't love the idea of, you know, particularly giving him a big contract just given what he's shown, right? Like he's regressed a lot too. He comes into the season getting a big role, and then two years in a row, he lost that before getting it back later the the losing it twice worries me so you say who would they get at center right like but is he a center wasn't kind of the, his key this season that he wasn't playing center for new orleans and that he was playing power forward and so when you look at he's not going to be a starter anymore because you have zion coming back you know does he need to be a backup center or a power forward for you when you have larry nance junior Not necessarily, right? When you potentially could have had, you know, EJ Liddell waiting in the wings, right? So when you kind of look at it, there's the issues with his development, you know, lack thereof. There's some issues with maturity, I think, too. And then you also have it where there's just kind of like he's frozen out just by position, right? You don't need to spend much money on a backup center. Billy Hernan Gomez is fine. It's just totally fine there. And so it kind of leaves Jax as like an odd man out when you look at all of the factors around him, right? That's kind of the issue. If he comes out this season, you know, and he'll get minutes and plays amazing, then we can revisit this. But that just hasn't been how it really works. Adam Stevens, who should get that, that second, Third two-way contract. You only get two two two-way deals. They already have one. We'll see what they end up doing with the other one. But we talked about that in the first two segments already of the show. Um, Energy Slayer says, "I would rather pay Larry Nance for a two-year extension." Yeah, probably right. Like that's what I feel a little bit better about. Um, Doug Davis says, "What about?" I'm guess I'm guessing that's Kyra. You know, notice I didn't talk about him coming off the bench. You know, he's probably not going to be ready till around December, January, or so you know, and so he'll just kind of be coming along like that's just kind of it. You know, it's a shame that that derailed his career a little bit. You know, I didn't think he was turning the corner like a lot of other people did. I think, you know, he showed a moment here or two, but not as much as you would have liked to see from a guy drafted 13th overall. Still time for him to come around and we would have probably been hoping he was going to have a big season you know step up big time this year but that's been delayed just due to the injury so you won't really hear us talking about him much because well he's not going to be ready to the start of the season at that point the rotation is going to be you know kind of set it might be tough for him to get minutes and so this year could still be a struggle for him to find time out there on the court but I would expect to see him probably around you know December January hopefully um Side topic, has the TV deal news been as unpopular as you felt it would be? I thought it was very deflating. Yeah, it, it was It was unpopular and everyone knew it was going to be unpopular. And, and I can promise you, and I did a whole show about this, right? Trying to kind of give you the Pelican's perspective on this because I actually spent a lot of time talking with them about it. You know, they knew it was going to be unpopular and they know it's not an ideal solution. They are aware of of this. And they know your frustrations. I promise you they know your frustrations. And they also know that what we're going to assume is the 1999 $20 a month Bally Sports Plus whatever they're calling it that lets you stream the games over an OTT app, you know, and not having to Ha, you know, in addition to your, your Hulu or your Netflix or your YouTube TV, that's the other one, right? Where you're not getting the games, which is supposed to be kind of your TV package. They know that 20 bucks a month isn't like an ideal solution. And that is a lot of money comes to what, like about a three bucks a game, something like that per month or so is what it ends up maybe being, maybe it's about a dollar per game. I forget exactly what, um, it's, One of those things where they understand and they're just going to keep working on it and they just hope that the app is really good. I think they need to put more stuff on the app. And I've mentioned that to them, that I think they need to put way more content that is simply exclusive to Bally Sports Plus to make that money worthwhile. I don't know, podcast, something like that, that you can only get there, that you could only get if you pay that $20 per month. Um, But I don't that that's, what's going to make that work. They know it's not an ideal solution, but it is a solution, even if that solution sucks. So yeah, it's been disappointing for everyone and they definitely know that they, it's not great and they knew it was going to be unpopular. So that's kind of as simple as, as it is, Doug Rosenthal says nope was good. He recommended his Dyson Daniels going to be a second or third stringer at the beginning of the season. Third stringer, I don't think he'll get a ton of minutes to start. I don't think there's a ton of minutes to go around once you kind of look at the starting lineups and all of that. I think you know it's one of those guys that's going to really have to earn it, and it might take an injury or a player ahead of him playing poorly to get out there. But he can definitely get out there and probably contribute right away, right? Like his defense should be good. The defense should be good for him and he can pass the ball well. So it hits his hands and doesn't just stop. So that I think is good for them. Was there a trade I missed or something like that? I see someone mentioned, I'm assuming that Sadiq Bey, did something happen? Did I miss miss a trade? Doesn't look like it. I'm high, I'm, I was always a big fan of Sadiq Bey um, and that mock draft we did, I picked him over Kyra Lewis Jr. I really liked him there. Um, Seafoam Rain says the Pelicans need rim protection. Where where could it come from? So one, I think that Valanciunas is underrated as a defensive big man. I actually do. I don't think he's nearly as bad as people make him out to be. Is he Rudy Gobert? No. Is he even DeAndre Ayton? No. But I do think he is a good enough defensive big to to kind of you know hold you over with that. So I don't know if it, they're going to find it necessarily anywhere. Um, you had Tyreek Jones in summer league who looked good as a bit of a rim protector and above the rim finisher. You could get him on a two-way deal and maybe it comes from there, but I don't think they're necessarily going to have that. And there you go. Why'd they sign the TV deal when they know we've been struggling to watch games legally? It, it doesn't make sense. I explained that. Go watch that episode I did on it. I explained that. It doesn't sound like the other options were better. It doesn't sound like the other options were better or it was just hoping they would be better with nothing that really ended up being concrete. So I think they kind of looked at everything in the landscape of it all and it just wasn't great all around. And they chose kind of the devil you know, which is Bally Sports, knowing that at least the games would be available for extra money. So I think that's where they ended up. Um, go in there. Jared Hill says, do you think it serves CJ best to play point guard? He's such a good score. I think he plays better off the ball. I don't see him as much of a playmaker. No, you know, I, I agree with you, right? Like if they're going to try and make him a Damian Lillard or a Chris Paul, it's not going to work. But one of the things I've been saying all off season is, you know, they have a bunch of like half ball handlers, right? Like CJ is a half ball handler right? I think that's fair to say. Brandon Ingram's probably 75% of like a pure ball handler. Zion's probably half a ball handler. I think they look at Herb Jones as maybe a quarter of a ball handler, something like that. You add that all up, it's about two ball handlers on the roster just split across four guys or so. So I think they kind of trust that it's going to be not point guard by committee because that's not the best way to describe it, but something along those lines. So they're not looking for a true point, but it'll be times when CJ, the ball's in your hand, go create for others. Other times work off ball and work off of Brandon Ingram. Same for Zion, same for BI, right? That's kind of what I think they're going to be looking at when it comes to this team here. Um, Dwayne Andrews makes a really good point too. If Golden State can win with Looney at center, Pels can definitely win with JV at center. Yes, right? You know, the rim protector doesn't do you a ton, I've learned if they're getting blitzed all the time. You remember Omer Asik, right? I'm sure you all do. They, you know, he was a good rim protector. He was, but he wasn't here in New Orleans. And part of that was because he would just get blitzed game after game, right, guys, just driving after at him, driving at him, driving at him, driving at at him all the time because the perimeter defense was terrible. So if your perimeter defense is terrible, even if you have an elite rim protector, they can only do it so much unless they guys like Rudy Gobert, right? And so that's kind of part of the problem with this. The Pelicans' defense needs to start at containing, you know, kind of defending the point of attack, containing cutters, not letting them get to the rim in the first place. If you can eliminate some of that, not to the point of Stan Van Gundy's thing of give up wide open threes, that is where they'll really improve defensively and how they'll start to get stops and be able to get out and run In transition, Josh says, Do you think Herb Jones becomes a better spot up three point shooter this year? They all better be spot a better spot up three point shooters this year. They all better be because they're going to get a lot of spot up looks with Zion back out there. I I can do, I'm not going to do the math, but someone, if you're there and want to do it, you can do it for me. Zion shot 71% at the rim. Okay. What is that the equivalent of from three point range? It's a stupidly high number, right? I can. I don't want to write out and do the math right now, but there's a way to do that, right? Seventy-one percent of two is the equivalent of what percent from of three? Is is the math equation on it? So they're always going to be taking Zion away, and I've repeated this, and I will keep repeating this: um, that you don't need shooters to space the court for Zion. You do not need shooters. To space the court for Zion because they will not space the court for Zion. Not when a guy shoots 70% at the rim. They will leave three-point shooters open to take away the shot at the rim, right? When you do kind of the, the order, the hierarchy of efficient shots in the league, number one is free throws. Number two is shots at the rim. You know, it's kind of like putbacks, and then it's sh- like attempts at the rim. Then it's three-pointers, so when you're kind of working down that, 71% at the rim is insane. And teams will always try and take that away because you're scoring at such a high rate that they will leave three-point shooters open. So you need shooters not to space the court, but to make, uh, burn teams when they double Zion. No, they they will leave Trey. They absolutely will leave Trey if that's what it is. They might not try to do that, but they will always double Zion over putting one guy on Zion and one guy on a shooter. Absolutely every time they'll try and double Zion if those are the choices. Now, when you look at it with five guys out there, you're gonna try and sag off another big or something like that onto Zion. So maybe it's Val who's more open, but certainly they're gonna look to double Zion, which means someone's gonna be open. If you can make that someone a three-point shooter, that shooter makes shots and it burns teams. But they're not gonna space the court for Zion. You're going to double Zion because he scores that efficiently at the rim and he's that special of a player. And again, we're seeing Zion 2.0, right? Zion in cha- It's 46.6% from three, Peter says, to be the equivalent of what Zion shoots the rim. That's a nuts percentage, right? Did anyone on the Pelicans shoot anything close to that last year? I'm, I'm going to guess no here. Um, so they're always going to double you. Unless someone's shooting, so what, we'd need a 40, to make the math work, right, it's a 47% shooter from three, essentially. You know, that's not going to work. Tony Snell's really the, oh, Larry Nance Jr. shot 50% from three last season on one attempt per game about. So, okay, they have a guy like that. But that tells you how good Zion is. It's pretty... Wild, right? They're gonna. You don't have. You don't have shooters out there to space the court for Zion. You have shooters out there to burn teams when they double Zion because that's what's really going to happen. Um, Even Rudy would get blitzed in the playoffs because of how bad the uh, the Jazz were on the perimeter. Yeah, they started to really fall apart, and you saw it. It's not like amazing, right? So I think rim protection can be a little bit overrated. Key Smith says, "Where does Jose Alvarado's improved shooting look good for Puerto Rico? That's for sure." Hit a game tying three that was big that sent the game to overtime. So yeah, I think he's definitely improved here too. So that's, where, that's my kind of view on three-point shooting with this team. It's not to space the court, right? You just need consistent shooters to burn teams. That's really what it comes down to. I think B.I. will be one of those guys next year. He didn't shoot well from three. And I talked about this in the show earlier today because he was taking a lot of pull-up threes off the dribble threes. Now you can be a spot-up guy when the defense is keying on Zion. Okay. Give him more spot up threes and let's see how he does. If he hits those at a higher rate, closer to 38%, that's great. That's going to burn teams. CJ is CJ, right? He gets so many open looks playing with Zion. That's awesome. Trey, Trey's going to get open looks. You know, Jose, when he's out there, he's been an improved shooter. Yes, he can shoot. That looks good too. You know, I think when you kind of look at it like that, there's there's a decent amount of shooting here, particularly because these are going to be easier looks than off the dribble threes, off the bounce threes that they're going to take. But we'll definitely look at three-point shooting, spacing, all of that as we get closer to the regular season. I'm going to have a bonus episode this weekend on the Pelicans' win total. 45 wins is what Vegas is saying. Feels, feels kind of low, doesn't it, to a certain degree? And I appreciate you all joining me here today for the live episode of Locked on Pelicans. We're going to end it on what... Wavy Davin says here, Point Zion will be scary next year. Absolutely. The entire Pelicans offense should be scary next year. So please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Leave a five-star review with a comment. If you listen on Spotify or Apple, wherever you get your podcast, it takes 30 seconds. That helps keep this free in five days a week for y'all. And of course, comment on YouTube. I appreciate everyone joining me here on the show today. This was a lot of fun. We're doing these every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central. So I'm looking forward to seeing you all next time on this one, a week from today. We'll keep, we're will keep. we going to at least be five days a week through the end of this month. So a couple more shows with that, then maybe going to drop it to three days a week. Going to be a lot of fun. I cannot wait for Pelican season to start. I know you can't wait either. So I appreciate y'all making Locked on Pelicans part of your day. And as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter. I'll be back with y'all with a bonus episode this weekend.